Welcome uh, and thanks for listening to another Cordate podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, healthcare and more specifically healthcare financing and even more specifically results-based financing. And um, my guest today is Martin Oranje, who's been an expert in this field for the past years. Um, he's working for Cordaid and um, spends uh, some time um, every few months in countries such as Ethiopia and other countries where Cordaid runs, uh, together with a lot of other uh, people and partners, uh, results-based financing programs. Um, where I would like to start um, by uh, asking you, Martin, just to briefly introduce yourself. Okay, um, well, uh, good morning, Frank. Um, so my name is Martin Oranje, um, and uh, indeed I've, I've been with Cordate since uh, 2014. Um, and initially I was working in a financial position at Cordate, and for the last seven or eight years I've been working on results-based financing, um, so really on the... The, the programmatic part of, mm -hmm. uh, of our work, yeah. And you also work uh, partly part-time with the uh, the World Health Organization. I think. Yeah, for the last uh, one and a half years, I've indeed I've um, on a part-time basis. I've also worked for the for the WHO. Yeah. Also dealing with uh, the RBF as we call it, results-based. No, financing? not specifically, but with health financing. Mm -hmm. uh, so health financing, and that's more on the use of digital technologies for for health financing specifically. Okay. Now, healthcare. Uh, this is this is the first time that this is the topic of a podcast of a coordinated podcast. Um, it's I'm, uh, there's a, there's a risk that this is going to be a very technical discussion because it's about financing, it's about uh, figures. Um, but actually, uh, from what I know about it, it it is it is not a technical matter at all. It touches upon uh, a lot of uh, issues um, dealing with societies, dealing with um, access to healthcare. Um, I want to discover that and, and go into that with you. But before we do that, I would like to take the listener to uh, a reality somewhere in the outback of Ethiopia and describe a little bit uh, one of the health facilities we are supporting in one of our uh, results-based financing programs. <clears throat> I visited this place uh, back in 2020, just be before COVID uh, uh, stopped us from from traveling, uh, and it was in it was near Jimma. It is in the Oromia region of Ethiopia, and it took us driving from the city of Jimma about two hours, I think, to get there. And it is in a hilly, lush, green area of coffee farming area. Um, it was a rainy day, so it was a hell of a job getting there because the road was muddy. And when we finally got there, uh, my feet were actually weighing like lead because of all the mud that was on my, uh, my, my shoes. And that is how I entered the, the health facility. And it is a small health facility. I mean, there's a few concrete blocks, there's a small courtyard. Um, um, it is fenced, but badly fenced, and um, even even stepping inside was a problem because I was, you know, uh, um, well, the place was full of mud because of me. Um, and I want to just briefly give an impression of what a typical ba basic healthcare facility looks like in Ethiopia. You know that a lot better, so please add whatever you need to add, but. 
stepped inside. It was still empty. It was early in the morning. And it was the, the place was managed and run by, headed by a young guy. He looked like 22, but he must have been older, who had recently graduated from, 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 from school, from nursing school, actually. So the place is not headed by a doctor. It's headed by a, like a head nurse. Um, and he was posted there. So he comes from a completely different area of Ethiopia. He had to leave his family behind and, um, and, and he had the responsibility, the final responsibility of a place that provides care to several thousands of people in the area. Now he was assisted by, by uh, uh, people who managed the laboratory, uh, by maybe some midwives, by another nurse. It was a small team. Um, maybe also somebody who ran the pharmacy. <clears throat> and that's it. Um, and next to that place was, as I said, this, this road. It was not a road, it was like a mud pool uh, going to the, the, the most important market uh, uh, area or place. And that day there was a market and the, the head nurse was a young guy. He said, uh, well, on days like these, we hardly see any patients because everybody needs to sell their stuff on the market. So even if they have medical problems, they will, they will do everything they can to go to the market and not care about health care uh, because they, they can't. They will lose too much money and they need that money to survive next week. Um, um, so this is a little bit the setting of one small health care facility in an area coffee farming area. Uh, one of the uh, reasons people came to that healthcare facility was, it struck me, stabbing wounds. Stabbing wounds because there's a lot of knife fights in that area over land. There's a land problem. Farmers do not have enough land, so they fight over land. Apart from that, which I did not see, it is in the Oromia region, which is a, which is a very volatile and politically problematic area because of a conflict um, like there's the Oromia Liberation Front. There are rebels in the area fighting already for decades for uh, independence. <clears throat> so it is a conflict affected area. Now, I want you to take over and tell me a little bit more about the importance of a small health facility like that and also um, how it is run and what kind of services this 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 facility actually provides? Yeah, um, I think the the uh, the picture that you're that you're giving that you're describing it's a that's a very typical health center in in Ethiopia. Uh, so there are a lot of remote health centers. Ethiopia is not a very urbanized country compared to um, um, uh, to other countries, and uh, you have a lot of uh, rural remote health centers um, and the. The staff composition that you described, that is what you very often find, that someone has indeed graduated uh, and has been assigned to this health center, although maybe uh, him or herself being from a completely different part of the country. Okay, mm -hmm. this is going to be your first posting. Uh, you're going to be the head or whatever other position in this and this health center. But who decides that? Uh, that's uh, typically the, done by the regional government, so not the, the not the federal national government, but but the regional government. So the Oromia region um, uh, decides on the on the on the on the postings. Um, yeah, so, so the health authorities of that region. Yeah, so, yeah, so the regional health bureau. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
um, yeah, so you're sent to a health center like this is going to be your uh, this is going to be your first posting. So you might not really know the context very well. Uh, and you have to accept that as a, as a graduate. Um, yeah, I think you don't have a lot of choice. I, I, there might be a little bit of choice. I don't know all the details about mm -hmm. that, but I, yeah, no, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of choice in in where you'll uh, where you'll end up. Uh, yeah, so you might you, you might find yourself in a part of the region that you're really not familiar with. Oromi is a very broad, wide region, so also geographically, it's it's uh, it's very diverse. Mm -hmm. So you might not be familiar with the kind of context that you're that you're going to find there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you find yourself in a health center, um, uh, which is in a remote area um, and which has a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a very, I would say it's a very common picture that you're that you're painting also, that I see a lot. Yeah. At a very young age, yeah. suddenly you're you have this responsibility. Yeah, yeah, and that is really um, that is really a challenge because you've been trained to be a doctor or a nurse, or you've you, you know you've had a medical education. You've not been trained to manage a mm -hmm. team. You've not been trained to manage a health center or to run um, you know at the, at the entire center, including equipment, infrastructure. You've actually had a medical. You actually have a medical profession. Mm -hmm. So this is really a challenge um, when you're in that position. Yeah, it's a, it's a very common picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, when I talked to the young man, um, it, it, it was very clear that he was, um, it was weighing on him. The fact that he was so isolated and that he's the first person there in the morning, he closes the door at night, he goes home and there's nothing to do for him. Um, the, he has no, no, no social network, no, no family around. Uh, um, let alone, I don't know uh, uh, his salary, what he earned. What, what would a person like that earn? Um, in in terms of um, euros, I think you're talking about somewhere between 100 and 200 euros per month uh -huh. uh, in this position. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, since he's the head, he'll he'll probably be closer to the 200 dollars maybe yeah. or euros, uh, but in that range, I would expect. And typically, yeah. they're, they're posted there for a couple of years, and then they they're they're posted somewhere else. It almost sounds like a dipl diplomatic kind of uh, system, you know, where people get posted in embassies and. Or communist, um, actually, in communist. Yeah, yeah, but of course, I think it has a bit of its roots in the in the socialist part of uh, the, the the socialist past of Ethiopia. That mm -hmm. you know, this um, uh, yeah, this kind of assignment system um, was adopted at some time and is actually still still in use. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're talking about staff, and it, I think it will come back because staff retention is a big, big, big problem. And I think we'll we'll touch upon the matter later that. Um, RBF, the results-based financing method or approach, is also means to um, to make sure that people uh, are motivated enough to stay there a little bit longer. Um, now, um, what are the kinds of um, uh, problems, um, like uh, health problems, people come uh, with to to this to this kind of facility, and what are the things that uh, staff can do and cannot do? I mean, it's a basic healthcare facility. Yeah. No, that's and, and that goes back to your previous question. Um, uh, so this this health center basically is like you know it's a it's a GP, but but it's it's actually GP much more than uh, a general uh, practitioner. Uh -huh. um, but it's much more than that because uh, this is actually the place that people um, in such a rural zone um, will go to for. All essential healthcare. You know, this is their first point of entry for the for the healthcare system. For example, being so that means uh, all the maternal care. So that means when you're pregnant, uh, your your antenatal visits, your prenatal visits, uh, but also the actual delivery, 
the postnatal care, um, everything around the delivery of, of children. And um, mothers. Yeah, so all the maternal care, um, all the child care. Uh, so that also means, you know, after birth is, is postnatal care, but it's the immunizations, um, it's all the childhood diseases that might need a, uh, a treatment at one, uh, one point when your kid gets pneumonia, diarrhea, mm. all of that. But also everything after. Uh, so it's the first point of entry when you have, or you think you have, you might have malaria, mm -hmm. but also for other infectious diseases, if you have uh, um, HIV or uh, tuberculosis, this is where you'll get treated. Mm -hmm. um, and Diabetes? Uh, yeah, increasingly also um, uh, non-communicable diseases, so like diabetes, mm -hmm. hypertension. Mm -hmm. This is getting more and more attention also. Um, what if you break a leg or get bitten by a snake? Yeah, then this is also probably your first point of entry until, uh, unless you're, you're, you're lucky enough to live very close to one of the hospitals that are there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you might choose to, to go directly to the hospital. Yeah. Um, but for... Yeah, almost everything else, you'll go to the health center and you'll only be referred to the hospital if necessary. But this health center is extremely crucial because if these health centers weren't there, uh, yeah, people would, would, would rely only on um, one hospital that is there maybe for half a million people. Mm -hmm. And you might have to travel 100 kilometers, 150 kilometers to get to that hospital. So that means that people will uh, simply not go. Because, you know, uh, for a lot of things, you can travel 100 kilometers, uh, um, you know, just the time, the effort, but also the costs involved, you would just decide not to go to the hospital mm -hmm. um, unless you happen to live very close by. So these health centers um, with their health posts, they perform yeah, a really essential function mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in the system. And, and, and you, you mentioned a lot of things uh, 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 that can get treated there. Uh, but things like cancer, uh, things like operations, um, they don't do that there. No, they do only minor surgeries. So, so yeah. Um, and some health centers, they can actually do cesarean sections, um, but mm -hmm. that's, that's only um, a small portion of the health centers. But for anything more serious, major surgery, yeah, you'll, you'll need to be referred to, um, uh, uh, to a hospital. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, something, um, that I think is important, the accessibility. I mean, the physical uh, access. I'm not talking about financial access. Um, when I was there at one point, there was a mother who arrived with her kid and um, she was there just to get some medication for the kid. Uh, and it took maybe 10 minutes and then they were out again. But they had traveled a couple of hours on foot to get there, uh, taking the roads I described this morning, uh, just, uh, just a few minutes ago. And then after those 10 minutes with their little bo box of pills, they went back again, um, you know, hand in hand. I saw them disappearing in the woods. And that takes another two or, two or three hours. So that's uh, altogether like something like five hours of the day just for some pills. Yeah. And this is if they're lucky um, to actually find the medicine that they need. You know, you can go to a health center uh, and someone can prescribe you a medicine but then it still needs to be available yeah. and so this is a case where it was available but it could also have been the case that okay uh, it gets prescribed but then you go to the pharmacy of the same health yeah. center and the drug is not even there yeah. so you'll walk back and you'll actually have nothing that and i also think about the economic aspect of of you know losing uh, half of your day where you could have been working as well or selling stuff or you know generating an income which is not happening during those four hours 
Is there, which, which makes me think of insurance, like safety nets, is there in any way, like an insurance, like we know it in the Netherlands, uh, a safety net for these people, making it a little bit easier financially also to cover the costs and the losses that come with healthcare? Yeah, Ethiopia has uh, what is called the community-based health insurance, uh, the CBHI, uh, and that's a system, a scheme that has been rolled out over the last more or less 10 years in Ethiopia, um, whereby people can actually um, pay, I don't know the exact, I think we're currently talking about uh, something like 300 beers, so that's about maybe six or seven dollars per year per household um, to actually get coverage for uh, essential for, healthcare, for essential healthcare, for certain essential um, drugs. The issue is, uh, up until recently, um, and even today also, a lot of households are um, are not really willing to pay that amount because it's still, you know, it's still something mm-hmm. um, uh, that they need to pay, but they're not sure to actually get good quality healthcare. So if they're not uh, expecting good quality healthcare, they'll say, okay, but I'm not going to pay this amount, this amount upfront, mm-hmm. not even knowing what I'll be getting. Yeah. So there is a health, a health insurance scheme. Uh, but the issue now is uh, we, we need to make sure that the quality of healthcare improves so that people will, are actually willing to pay f- uh, also for the, for the health insurance. Mm. But, yeah. And they're not willing to pay for the reasons or one of the reasons you've just described that they might, you know, take a couple of hours in getting to healthcare and the pills they wanted are not available or the doctor isn't there or for those reasons, or those are the main reasons? Uh, yeah, yeah. If uh, they knew they would have access to quality health care that they'd, they'd yeah. be willing to pay that that is i would say there are various reasons but that is the the number one reason is that if the quality of healthcare goes up and people uh can reasonably expect a good quality health care they're willing to pay for mm-hmm. insurance mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that's what we see also that that's the difference between health centers if you are in a district where you know health centers are well performing people are willing are willing to actually yeah. be a member of the health yeah. insurance yeah. maybe maybe to give some some financial context to that i believe that the average uh, expenditure per person per capita in ethiopia on healthcare annually is about 30 dollars uh, a year in the netherlands uh, we're based in the netherlands courted that is about 6000 euros a year just just to give some 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 context to that uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to more more about you know the difference between uh dutch financing dutch healthcare um and and ethiopia later maybe um okay so we we discussed uh about the setting about what what a basic healthcare facility like the one in jima actually does uh, why people go there, the challenges. I mean, we've, we've, we covered some of the challenges. I mean, the fact that there are daily uh, electricity cuts, for example, is another challenge. But can you tell me a little bit more about challenges in terms of how do you actually, what does it take to run and manage a facility like that? Because yeah. I only looked at it from the outside. I'm not a medical expert at all. Yeah, so if you go back to that manager that you just talked about, or the director of a health center, um, well, one of his challenges, of course, is, you know, the physical environment, you know, just the infrastructure, uh, the lack of equipment, um, um, you know, he he might have been uh, 
taught all sorts of things in medical school, uh, but then he comes to a health center and the equipment that you would need to actually perform um, is not available. L- so like what? What kind of equipment? Uh, it, it can sometimes be even as simple that, you know, uh, 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 one health center, which in Ethiopia typically serves between 20 and 30,000 people. Um, I've been in health centers where we could find maybe one stethoscope uh, yeah. or we couldn't find functional otoscope, you know, to... Um, uh, to check the ears, mm-hmm. um, it it can be you know that basic, uh, mm-hmm. or or you're in a delivery room where there's actually not a proper delivery couch, yeah, um, or or material to sterilize. Uh, or, yeah, it 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 can be that basic that these running things out of are drugs. Uh, running out of drugs that definitely happens um, uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but it, yeah, the, the lack of electricity that you mentioned, it can be the lack of running water, you know, uh, a lot of health centers, uh, they don't have um, uh, a shower with running water. Um, so why maybe that's a very, a very stupid question. Why? Uh, why if, if something something is lacking, like 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 the material to sterilize or a stethoscope or whatever you, they need, they badly need, why not go out and buy one? Yeah, we were that easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, we, um, okay, we're talking about a remote place. So first of all, you're far from uh, from the city. Let's say Jimma in this town. So uh, you, you would actually have to find a vehicle and go back and forth to Jimma to, to just buy some equipment. But mm-hmm. uh, that also means the equipment needs to be available, of course, on the market. And you need to have the resources to actually buy it. And one of the issues that you're facing as as a manager is that uh, you don't have a lot of resources. Um, you, where where do their resor- resources come from? Their budget? Where yeah. does it come from? So you talked about the uh, thirty dollars per capita. That's you know the the, the average expenditure in in Ethiopia. Um, you know that that thirty dollars is is roughly is one third is is government budget. One third is uh, donor budget, so external funding. Um, Donors like courted. Uh, yeah, and or like the Dutch embassy, who is uh, in the end behind this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one third is actually out of pocket exp- uh, expenditure from the actual patients. So two third is two thirds is subsidized. Is if, if you call it subsidized, is covered by the state or by external donors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, for a health center, that means um, they actually don't have a lot of budget that they own themselves. You know, it's the budget is 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 managed at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So the the zonal or the regional health bureau, they will decide uh, who to recruit the staff. You know, you don't recruit your own staff, um, and they will pay the salaries. They decide on which infrastructure to build. Uh, they basically take. 90% of the decisions, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, financially speaking, about your health center. So you don't have, and you get allocated uh, a small budget uh, every year um, where th- that you can still use to autonomously... Um, how much would that be in the case of this, this healthcare facility in Jimma, for example? How, what is the, the, the amount of money they dispose of, they can use to invest in their own facility? Um, I would say roughly it's probably a few thousand euros per year uh, that they have, but this this includes the money they get from the government, but also uh, you know some some money they earn by by uh, uh, selling drugs, um, some user fees for patients. All in all, I would say they maybe have a few thousand euros per year that they can dispose of. Not to cover salaries. Not to cover salaries because okay. that's done that's uh, elsewhere. But then. To basically buy new drugs, uh, uh-huh. buy equipment, buy all the uh, um, 
commodities that mm-hmm. you need to run a, um, uh-huh. a, a health center. And their salaries, which are quite basic, like a manager, uh, some the, the person who runs a place like this earns about $200 a year. The others must be less. But that is covered and paid by the government. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in a sense, there is a healthcare system, even though it's basic and it has a lot of um, uh, uh, flaws, but it is functional and it works. Yeah. Yeah. Ethiopia has a, uh, a public healthcare system uh, that is, you know, rolled out over the country and that, uh, yeah, that works. It's all, just all over the country, in all parts of the country, uh, even in Tigray. Uh, yes, actually, um, before the whole conflict, it was, I think, in. In Tigray, it was relatively well-functioning compared to other regions. Uh, but of course, now after the whole conflict of the last few years, uh, yeah. a lot has been destroyed and maybe only 10 to 20% of the health facilities in Tigray are currently still operating. Uh, yeah. Although at this point in time, um, uh, of, of course, there's a lot of effort to, you know, to, to restore, to rehabilitate the, the health system. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, we're, we're, which is interesting, and we could talk about Tigray for an hour, but, um, I mean, there, there has been a conflict, uh, let, let's call it a war, for the last uh, couple of years, uh, a, a completely different setting. That is not the case in, in, in Oromia at the moment, in, well, at least not in Jima, in the Jima area. But what, 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 let's get, go back to the financing. So about two-thirds of a budget of, of this kind of facility is covered either by external donors and the government. One-third comes out of actually the payments and the fees of patients. Yeah. Right. Um, so that is, they, even if they have, they, there's a lot of needs and um, uh, um, they lack a lot of things. The budget they have and the financial leniency to cover that is very limited. They have a they they don't have a lot of money to invest at their own. You know uh, uh, um, how do you say that? Um, I forget the word. Um, but they they can hardly financially uh, invest in their own facility. Okay, um, I, I, I want to get to results-based financing because we've, we've discussed a lot of uh, problems, financial and otherwise. Um, how can you tell me first the essence of results-based financing? And maybe first, for, for some reader, read, some listeners might be familiar with the fact that we also have a term called performance-based financing, and we talk about results-based financing. And people use the different terms. Um, um, but what is the difference between that, to get that out of the air? Yeah, uh, that's indeed a, a question that I get to answer very often. Yeah. Um, so performance-based financing is a form of results-based financing. Uh, so results-based financing is like an umbrella term uh, mm-hmm. for all sorts of m- mechanisms whereby you pay based on results. Performance-based financing is one specific form um, where we really look at the, the performance of the service providers and we directly link the payment, which is you know really in money, monetary, uh, to the performance of the service providers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you know um, it's like saying it's not wrong to say results-based financing. It's like saying um, is it a car or is it a Ford? All right, okay. And we yeah. say it's a Ford, but it's also a car. Exactly. <laughs> it happens okay. to be a Ford. That's that's you know. So this is what we do is PBF, which is a form of RBF. Okay. So we'll continue talking about RBF, results-based financing. Um, 
Can you can you briefly like sketch the 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 system how it works? Yeah. So what we what we do in um, in performance based financing is we say okay, you've been functioning in this system where your budget has always been allocated in a very top down manner. You have to follow rules. Uh, you actually have very little autonomy in deciding how to spend your your budgets. But also your budget is is entirely not linked to how you are performing as a health facility. Now. Um, as opposed to that, what we introduce is a very different mechanism whereby we say there's, in principle, there's no upfront um, uh, payment, no advance payment, but we will simply measure uh, your performance as a health facility, you know, uh, not as an individual, but really as a, uh, as a collective, as a group of people, as a health facility. We, we are going to measure your performance in terms of key indicators. Uh, that is the, the, the quantity of the services that you're providing, but also the quality. Mm-hmm. And based on your performance, you'll get an additional payment, um, uh, in this case, every quarter um, that will be at your disposal, whereby actually we are going to grant you um, um, yeah, uh, a lot more autonomy on uh, in deciding how to spend this additional budget. Mm-hmm. So we are going to measure uh, your performance and that uh, is going to be verified and very strictly. We need to be exactly sure that what we are paying for has actually happened, that we can uh, 100% rely on the data uh, mm-hmm. that you're providing. But if we are able to actually verify it, then in return to that, you know, that strictness and that accountability, you get uh, 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 a high degree of autonomy in deciding yourselves as a team of health professionals how you want to use that money, how you are going to improve your own working conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I would say, the basic mechanism of what we're trying to do in uh, in mm-hmm. PBF performance-based financing. And you talked about uh, qualitative and quantitative indicators. Are these before we 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 we, we I'll, I'll ask for some examples of that. But who defines that? Who who defines these indicators? Yeah, this of course needs to be done um, before a project starts, uh, and that is really, um, let's say, that's a um, a consultation. That's a um, a. A participative process between so, between which parties? Um, so in this case, if Cordite is the NGO that um, uh, that will will um, uh, uh, will implement the scheme, that means that we will um, usually have a, a workshop together with um, uh, uh, government officials, but also representatives of health centers, um, basically all the local stakeholders uh, mm-hmm. from different levels. So from the local level to the national level, we gather them in a workshop to decide, okay, in this particular case, what are the most important services to be incentivized? Which uh, gaps do we see in the current provision of services to the to the population? Um, and where do we think we could make a difference um, um, with PPF? So mm-hmm. it, it's really about public health priorities as they are perceived by um, by the local stakeholders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you give a few examples of those indicators? Yeah, so typically what you'll find very common indicators is that we'll look at uh, skilled deliveries. So, you know, the um, uh, uh, the birth actually be it being attended to by a skilled um, uh, uh, midwife. Um, so that's one skilled deliveries, everything around delivery. So antenatal care, postnatal care. Um, immunizations is, is typically an indicator, but also, for instance, um, family planning. So the use of contraception uh, is very often an indicator in these um, in these programs. Yeah, th- there are more, but th- these Number are some of, of the vaccinations, key. maybe. Yeah, yeah. But also yeah. things like uh, I believe, like the cleanliness and the hygienic situation of uh, of, a, of a facility. Yeah. 
whether it is fenced or not. Um, uh, so it's also about the infrastructure. Yeah. So what I just mentioned were like the, the quantitative indicators, how much of this, how many of this. But then that, there's, there's another set of indicators, which is about the quality of care being provided. And that is indeed uh, the quality of the infrastructure. Indeed, is it fenced? Uh, uh, have the rooms been painted? But also, is there privacy for patients? Mm -hmm. um, there can be some questions uh, to staff about their knowledge. You know, are, are, is, is the staff actually knowledgeable? Are they capable? Um, but there are other elements. Is, is the health center, um, um, you know, uh, doing its financial administration the way it's been done? How is the HR uh, um, uh, mm -hmm. being run in a health facility? Financial management. Financial management. Are they providing accurate data about what is going on in the health facility? Yeah, yeah. It's about the cleanliness, indeed, of the latrines, the the, the yeah, all the all the different rooms. So all of that is actually taken into account. Uh, so that's measured every quarter mm -hmm. to see are you making progress uh, over time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so yeah, those are two elements. And then the third element is actually the perception of patients. So we're also looking at um, uh, where we're interviewing patients. Uh, like, okay, what was your experience at this health center? You've actually been treated there a month ago. So um, local organizations, community-based organizations are contracted um, by us to actually trace a sample of the patients every quarter, ask them, okay, is it true indeed uh, 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 that mm -hmm. you've been treated? Because we first need to verify that, you know, this, this is not a false record. Mm -hmm. uh, have you indeed been treated? Uh, like, I don't know, last month on the 17th? Uh, and if so, what was your experience? You know, um, uh, 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 did you have to wait for a long time? Were you treated in a gentle manner by the staff? You know, what was your experience? And that is also taken into account in determining on a quarterly basis, what is the overall performance of this health center and to what kind of payment are they entitled? So it could be that if the outcome of these like community or patient consultations is bad, that uh, this health facility uh, gets less money. Yeah, that's one of the one of the three or four elements that determines the total payment. That's uh -huh. indeed the, the patient uh -huh. satisfaction. Uh -huh. yeah. I, um, it also sounds like, well, can you give me uh, an idea of, you talked about incentivization, like it's an incentive scheme, uh, because this comes on top of their basic salaries and the budgets we already discussed coming from the government, from different parties. Um, what, what would be the percentage of, of, of their budget coming from uh, such an RBF scheme? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say it should not be too low, but it, also, it should also not be too high. Uh, so, of course, it needs to be um, somewhat substantial to make a difference. You know, if, if I'm going you, if I'm going to give you just one euro extra every month, you're not going to run a lot harder for that. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, yeah, I would typically say somewhere between ten and thirty percent uh, on top of um, you know the the, the 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 regular budget. That's sort of a healthy range 10, 10, uh, what, 10 to 30 maybe yeah okay between 10 to 30 percent um, uh, okay. additional income for the for the health center because if it becomes more than that uh, you're running the risk that they will really become dependent on this on this uh, additional um, okay. pot of money and, and this rbf money so to speak um, um, goes to i mean they can they can use that money the way they like but and part of it goes to salaries, like topping up salaries, uh, and also invest, investments in their own health health infrastructure. Or yeah, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, they can. The, 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 really, the beauty of it, and I think one of the strengths of, of PPF is that we the say beauty. You, yeah, you yeah. really love the system. I, 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 yeah, I've and yeah, I've I've seen it work, and I, I, yeah. I, I really appreciate it. I really uh-huh. think this can make a difference. This makes a difference to the motivation of staff. The fact that they actually have an influence on um, uh, on how their health center is uh, how their health center is is rewarded, um, but mm-hmm. also being run. So. Uh, yeah, but the autonomy is 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 to me part of the beauty. Mm-hmm. The fact that we actually say to them, we are not here to decide for you what is the best possible investment because we don't know. And even if we do think we know, we shouldn't be telling you. You should decide amongst yourselves mm-hmm. what is the best use of this money for the for the for the upcoming quarter. And of course, they do you know they do have to develop a sort of a business plan, and that needs to be approved. Like this makes sense. Also, the district government needs to say, okay, what this health center wants to do makes sense. Cordet needs to put a signature, like okay, this makes sense. And uh, they knew they do need to follow some rules in there. You know, it's not they, they cannot decide to do anything uh, mm-hmm. because that's you know then you're opening the doors also to fraud or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there, there does have to be. Um, uh, a sensible business plan, but with some rules, they can decide our business plan for the upcoming six months is to first invest in a new generator. Then we'll start painting the walls. And we also wanted to buy some new equipment for the outpatient department. Mm-hmm. That's our, you know, those are going to be our major investments for the upcoming six months. Um, what about the salaries? And um, then, yeah, and then there is a rule uh, for us that we say, okay, you can also decide uh, to spend a part of your earnings to indeed pay uh, a top up to the mm-hmm. uh, to the staff, but there is a maximum to that. You cannot decide to say, okay, hundred percent of the money is going to go to the staff. That's not the idea. So typically, it's around 20, 25, 30 percent. In some countries, it's maybe forty percent, but not mm-hmm. more than that. Um, uh, that's where the cap is. Okay, this is what you can use to actually pay more to your staff. The rest of the money needs to be invested in the quality of your of your health center, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and the the effect of, of this autonomy, and also the I mean the the the, up, the topping up of the salary, this combination is is having an effect in in terms that it um, decreases um, turnover staff turnover. For example, because I know that is a big problem. A lot of people just leave uh, healthcare uh, and go to other places because it's too hard and they get paid too little. Yeah. So what it does is that, of course, um, the fact, you know, the the staff top ups, that, of course, is a motivation. You can earn a little bit more in in such a health center just, you know, by performing, but not by performing uh, so much individually, although that's important, by performing as a team, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a teamwork. Um, so that's that's a part of the motivation, but a large part of the motivation, and that should really not be underestimated, although it often is, um, is that just the fact that that other 60 or 70 or 80 percent that you're going to use to invest in your health center, that gives you actually, that finally gives health staff the, the, uh, the possibility to influence their own working conditions, mm-hmm. you know, to just improve little by little their own working conditions mm-hmm. in terms of cleanliness and attractiveness of their compound, but also having uh, the right equipment, having the drugs ab- uh, available, which means that you don't have to um, uh, uh, tell patients, okay, yeah, we prescribe you this, but we don't have it, which is for a health worker, that's a very 
also demotivating moment when when you need, yeah okay you need this i don't have it uh-huh. uh, you know so that you can actually provide service the way you've been taught how to provide service that's mm-hmm. uh, i've often heard from health from health workers that that is even more motivating that they can do their work properly uh than than strictly the financial part of it you know they're, they're mm-hmm. earning a bit more mm-hmm. i remember a health center this was not in jimma but in in borana where we did an evaluation that's that's years ago uh and i also asked them okay i'm seeing now that you're you're having a lot more antenatal care visits uh, now than two years ago uh, before the scheme started mm-hmm. you know why what has happened what has changed and one of the things that i remember nurses telling me um, uh, was is that they said uh yeah but we used to scare patients away they were openly saying this we didn't scare. want scare well maybe they didn't word that you uh, they didn't use that word i'm not entirely sure but it was basically what they were saying we didn't want to have patients here because we couldn't help them mm-hmm. and if you can't help people that is so demotivating mm-hmm. you'd rather not even see them so we would tell them go to the hospital because the hospital is 10 10 kilometers away just go directly yeah. to the hospital yeah. don't come here for your antenatal care because we can't do anything for you so we were actually they said we weren't open to receiving patients it was only after we uh, were able to to improve our own compound and our own you know the, 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 the equipment and you know we, we after we were able to provide a proper service that we started to attract people mm-hmm. so it's also about their their pride it's mm-hmm. it's their professional pride they were talking mm-hmm. about and i think that's uh, and then it comes to your point of staff retention if you feel professional pride if mm-hmm. you feel i can do my work here properly and i can earn a reasonable living doing so uh, people are much more willing to stay in a certain place uh, and say okay okay yeah this might it, it might be a challenging environment um, but I, I i take pride in what i'm doing mm-hmm. you will very often hear in in ethiopia that people say my duty is to serve the community mm-hmm. and if i you know this helps me to serve the community so i i'm actually more motivated now and motivation of course is a, is, is a huge factor in staff retention mm-hmm. and that is one of the challenges that this this health center manager that you talked about um uh, would also be facing in a health center yeah, yeah his own staff doesn't even want to stay mm-hmm. so if he has a mechanism now whereby he see he sees that his staff is actually a part of the solution and is actually being motivated uh, more than previously. That's also as a manager, that's sort of a, a tool that can help him in 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 running a proper facility. Mm-hmm. So so things like like autonomy, ownership, professional pride, that is really giving people a boost um, and also keeping them uh, in the places where they where they work. It also I can imagine no before that. I mean, there's also you talked about the importance of what patients think and how how in the scheme in the RBF scheme we actually check what patients uh, think of the the services they 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 get or or don't get. Um, I even believe that we also work with like patient committees, like community committees, meaning that you allow communities and patients to have a say. In 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 how healthcare is is actually run, um, is would you co- would you go as far as to, to call that like a, a democratizing healthcare? Um, yeah, that is a very big word. Um, but to some extent, um, 
Yeah, democratizing. That's that's um, that's 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 a good question. The, the it's it's I, not yeah. actually giving them uh, an, an you know an actual say in how the facility is run. But what is happening is that the, these community-based organizations, so they take a sample of you know the opinions of patients every quarter, and then they are expected at the end of the quarter to go back to the health center and say this is the information that we've collected this quarter. Uh, so uh, uh, um, a satisfaction um, about your cleanliness has gone up, satisfaction mm -hmm. about the waiting times has gone down this mm -hmm. quarter. And these are the main um, uh, issues that people are facing or the, the, the main issues that people are mentioning about your health. And so they're giving that feedback to the health center. So um, it's not necessarily they get, it's not democracy in the sense that they get to decide, but there is a, a much closer involvement of the actual uh, community whereby the health center now actually hears what the mm -hmm. community thinks about their services, uh, but in a constructive manner. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, how can we change? So that hopefully, uh, and, and um, we often see that, that um, uh, incentivizes the health center also to say, okay, in our next business plan, uh, these are some, some of the things that we can actually include based on the feedback that, that, that we're getting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether we should call that democracy, but it, it is mm -hmm. more community mm -hmm. involvement. And mm -hmm. to some extent, it is a matter of uh, um, decentralization, whereby these kind of decisions are now taken at a lower level about how to run a health center you know, in, instead of the the, the, the traditional top-down way, you know, whereby the but, government's telling health centers how to that, run. That is very interesting because uh, you briefly mentioned the socialist past uh, of Ethiopia. And, you know, that is a, uh, it was a very centralized system, governance system, whereby there's a lot of control, uh, centralized control uh, from the government. And it's very top-down. Now, in a way, RBF is meddling with that and changing that and giving more uh, autonomy to lower levels. Um, I can also imagine that on the one hand, I believe that RBF systems and schemes really very much depend on the involvement of government authorities and health authorities. Um, and on the other hand, you're taking away some of their control and, and, and influence and power. How does that work? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very interesting dynamics because what you're saying is true. This can only work if you work very closely with the government. You know, no no government will will allow you to work in the health system like this if they don't trust that you're doing something right there. Mm -hmm. So this uh, also in in Ethiopia, it has taken us really some time to convince uh, Ethiopian authorities that this is a way of working that would bear fruit. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, still, it, it, it's an interesting dynamics because, um, uh, yeah, they're indeed a two different sides of the story. Yes. Um, uh, because it also means that uh, authorities need to be willing to, yeah, to let go of some of their traditional authority and say, okay, we will actually leave it to to local stakeholders or to the actual health facility staff, how to run their, of course, with supervision and with everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm, typically in any country, at, at the ministry, you will find uh, two different camps. So you will find people who are, you know, initially, when you, when you, when you first come with the idea or when, when you show your first results of maybe a pilot project, there are people who are enthusiastic and see, is, you know, this is something innovative. This, mm -hmm. this can bring, this is, this is, this can bring, uh, other results because it's a very different way of working uh, so let's try it but there are also people uh, typically who are uh, indeed opposed and say okay but yeah we can't uh, simply let the decisions being taken at that level because this this you know this touches their own authority um, yeah. so 
that's really a dynamics where you will have to convince over time by the results that actually if you organize uh, the system or let's say a part of the system in this way, uh, because we're not talking about the entire healthcare financing, but part of the healthcare mm -hmm. financing, if you organize it in this way, you can actually get better results because you will see that your own people who you've been taken, uh, you, you, you know, you, you've actually uh, taken a lot of effort as a country to educate these people, mm -hmm. uh, that these people uh, can actually start taking more initiative, become more uh, entrepreneurial, uh, become more creative in finding their own solutions. So you're actually, you know, you're using the, 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 the human capital that you have as a country, mm -hmm. but you need to show over time that this approach can actually bring that. And that's, you know, you, you don't do that in six months or one year. It typically takes a few years before um, this enthusiasm is, um, yeah. is coming. So it takes time for the system to work and it also takes scalability, I believe, right? You can't do this with just a handful of facilities. Why is that actually? Why? Because I know that the programs we run in Ethiopia and also like in, in, in Zimbabwe, um, we're dealing, we're talking about hundreds of health facilities, if not thousands. Why is it so important to make this scalable? Um, I think there are at least two, maybe there are many more, but mm. there are two that come to mind now, uh, important reasons. One is, uh, this is a scheme, it's quite a complex scheme. So you need to develop a lot of tools. Um, uh, you know, you have verification mechanisms and criteria. And for instance, in Ethiopia, we now have a manual of 250 pages. You know, that entire operation, you cannot run for 10 health, health facilities, or at least you can do it for some time, but it's, that's not cost effective. And mm -hmm. in anything that we, of course, do in a health system um, of a country like this, you need to, in the end, come up with cost-effective solutions mm -hmm. uh, because this, in the future, needs to be run uh, on, on a yes, still a relatively modest budget. So uh, it needs to be cost-effective, and for that, you need some scale. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other thing is what we like: we like to see performance-based financing as a systemic um, approach. So that means um, it's not a simple trick to just get uh, specific results. So. I could be paying you as a health center uh, simply for only immunizations because I want more immunizations. So mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm going to pay you for immunizations. You know, that is pay for performance as a trick. Mm -hmm. It's maybe, you know, that's that's the word I'm using. Uh, but that means it's very easy to get results from you if, if, if I tell you I just want this and this. And if you do that, you get money. But the risk, of course, is that you will do you will be doing more immunizations as a health center, but it will go at the expense of all other services. Mm -hmm. You will not mm -hmm. be doing other things. Mm -hmm. So uh, and also I'm only targeting you as a health center. I'm not looking at what is going on at the hospital or at the health post. For us, what is important um, uh, for Cordate is that it, this is a systemic approach. So we want the um, the, the the incentivization, the, the performance-based financing, to be a mechanism. But actually, the target, the goal, is that the system will start functioning better, so that the health center as a whole starts functioning better. But also, the relationships improve between the health center and the health post, between the health center and the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, and between the health center and the local government, so that mm. the entire system um, functions better, and you know everybody takes uh, uh, its role, or every entity takes its role in the system. Mm -hmm. But for that, you need scale. You cannot do that with five facilities. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if, if you want to really strengthen the system, you need to have a larger, uh, a larger. So you scale. almost need to uh, work at least on provincial, or ideally on a national level. 
Well, national level, of course, that is, uh, you know, that is, uh, that is a big dream. Um, although it's happened, you know, in the past in, in, in several countries that it's, you know, it's been adopted as a mm -hmm. national approach. Um, but what we, what we uh, um, typically say is you need to at least have, um, if you work in a certain district, you need to at least work with all the facilities in that district. You know, mm -hmm. don't start, you know, just picking five out of the 15 facilities uh, because that probably means that you know those five will start functioning better at the expense of the others who are mm -hmm. not getting supported mm -hmm. so we typically want to work with all the facilities in a certain uh, area yeah i think you gave one or two examples but um, on a more structural level if you if you take like a region uh, that is covered by by an rbf scheme where 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 we're involved in Um, do you see, after a couple of years, do you see the impact of that in the health indicators of a, of a zone or, or a population? Uh, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> But do we measure that also? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. And of course, that is, that is another, to me, a beauty of performance-based financing is to be able to make those payments, of course, on a quarterly basis, you need to collect the data on a quarterly basis yep. because without the, the 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 verified data you cannot make a payment i need to be sure what has happened over the last quarter so that whole monitoring and evaluation that needs to happen in in any in any project uh whereas in 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 many projects that's sort of a parallel activity oh yeah mm -hmm. we still need to monitor whether yeah. it's improving here it's, core business. here it's core business because if you don't monitor you can't pay yeah. and you need to pay every quarter so you need monitoring basically monitoring and evaluation is or monitoring is the is the core of the program yeah. we need to measure every month every quarter what's happening and only after that we can we can pay uh and of course Um, that that's the most important um, um, measure to tell almost, us whether PBF it, is working. It's funny because it's almost as if you're paying because that's what you're doing. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you where your money, I mean, the RBF money comes from later, but you're paying for data almost. Data is the, is the, is the, is, is, is the blood of this, of, this, of this body, of this system. Yeah, it, that is true. It's data. It's verified data. But that, of course, represents, and we need to always make sure that that is true, that that data represents the actual services being provided to people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we have those data, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that is the full uh, basis I, for I think payment. also I believe that the data in itself, not, all, not only for this uh, very particular RBF scheme, but it, it has relevance and importance on a much bigger scale because these data are fed back to health authorities on a national level meaning that it gives a much better picture of the actual health situation in an actual zone. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. That, that is also one of the advantages of, of, of PBF is that it increases data reliability so that you actually get a better picture of what is really happening um, in, mm. this, uh, in this area. And that will also help decision making about, mm. you know, also as a government, what is the best place to allocate our money? If we yeah. have better data, it's easier to decide. Now data, when we think about data in the Netherlands, we think about digitalization. And um, it struck me when I entered this particular, we started with that uh, GIMA healthcare facility, is that this, uh, this manager, this, this young guy, he was standing in his office and all the walls were actually covered with big sheets, paper sheets, and they contained like thousands of data. And they actually were the administration of his health facility. <laughs> so it was not a computer, it was on the walls. And uh, even just filling that 
uh, every day or keeping those records uh, is is almost a full-time job. All these data in these RBF schemes, how are they managed? Is that paperwork? Is it is it is it digital work? Um, because I can imagine that it's extremely expensive to run monitoring and evaluation systems on this scale in these settings we have described, like remote, difficult, uh, um, uh, hardly accessible areas with many risks. I mean, we haven't talked about uh, security risks, but it must be a lot of the money that goes around in these systems goes to actually managing the system even before you can pay a health facility. How, how about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, um, what you're saying is very true. Um, I remember a few years ago, uh, I saw a study on um, the burden that um, health staff in countries, I think it was Kenya, Tanzania, um, the, the, the burden of having to do the whole, you know, data paperwork, administration, yeah. all the paperwork. And they said it's between 25 and 50 percent of our work. So, they, you know, they have the exact same complaints as a general uh, practitioner here in the they Netherlands. Have, but yeah, they have exactly. the exact That's... same complaints. They say up to 40, 50 percent of my work is just, you know, writing everything, uh, registering all the data. So that is why um, often before we, we, we introduce um, a PBF scheme, the data is notoriously uh, unreliable because it's too much work and there's actually no incentive to do it right. Uh, because often and uh, there is an incentive to not do it right. Mm-hmm. There is an incentive. Often the pressure that you're getting from higher levels or from the government is to report higher numbers. You know, they want to see higher numbers wow. so that they can they can report higher numbers to their superiors. Uh, so the incentive is actually to to report higher numbers instead of reporting more accurate numbers. Uh-huh. And if there's no one there to to really check that you're reporting accurate figures, then um, yeah, you will see that you know the the the, the, the whole data management is is shaky. Um, so that part is very true. Uh, it's only after they. Uh, um, are confronted with something like PBF where we say, okay, the most important thing for us is that the data are accurate. We will actually send people to verify on a monthly basis your books and to see that the data that you are reporting are accurate. And you'll only get a payment if the, the difference between what you reported and what we found is minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on the country, but less than 5%, less than 10%, that's what we accept. But if it uh, exceeds that, then there's no payment. We say, okay, mm-hmm. if you reported 100 deliveries, but we only found 80, sorry, that means zero payments. Because yeah. the first thing you need to do is to get your reporting right. So that is um, uh, a triggering them to start working on that. And typically, that is one of the very first things that you see improving under a PBF scheme is data reliability. Mm-hmm. Because they realize if we don't get that right, there's no payment at all. So you see that you know the, the quality of the data is, um, uh, is improving. I'm going to ask you like yeah. a hard question because, um, um, but, but, yeah, but yeah, sorry. You wanted me to, to say something about that. This is a very expensive uh, yeah, exactly, mechanism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I deviated a bit. Uh, I like the topic. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult not to talk much. Um, but yeah, so it's expensive to actually send verifiers, um, uh, and, and, uh, and On small this, motorbikes going yeah. into the field yeah. all day yeah. just to yeah. get some of the data. It's go labor back. intensive. Very. Uh, yeah. And it's, it takes a lot of time. But um, the added value is that you're getting accurate data um, for the first time from certain spots. Uh, But uh, what is very important to say is that what these uh, verifiers do is much more than just going to check and verify like like an accountant. 
what they do is actually they go, uh, they verify the data, and then they, they sit down with the health staff and provide feedback and say, okay, this and this, uh, okay, this is, the re- this, is, this is the discrepancy that I found. This is the reason that I'm not paying you this month for this and this. You need to improve that and that. You need to improve, you know, this is the mistake that you're making here, but also about, uh, you know, the quality of the compound. Like, okay, how could you address this problem? You're not having running water. Well, I know another health, uh, health facility at 20 kilometers from here. This is how they solved it. Okay. So I will explain to you this and this and this. Uh-huh. So these verifiers at the same time, they're mentors, they're coaches. So they, 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 they often have a medical background or not? Uh, yeah. So what we typically look for is like a variety of backgrounds, but yeah, uh, uh, mostly medical backgrounds. But then, you know, we make sure that there are public health experts, maybe nurses, midwives, mm-hmm. uh, maybe an environmental health expert, but maybe also someone with a more financial background so that we have you know um, uh, a pool of people with, mm-hmm. with, with different um, expertise who can provide this kind of feedback also to health centers so this is I think something that's often forgotten when when we say it's expensive to run the scheme these people are uh, extremely important because they're, they're coaches they're mentors they're actually helping also the help they're on the one hand strictly verifying but on right. the other hand helping them Th- that is a very positive uh, yeah. uh, image a very positive description I can also imagine that in the end Cordaid and and behind Cordaid uh, an embassy or another uh, donor has an amount of money to give right and we give them under certain kind of conditions all the conditions of which you have described in our BF system I can also imagine because this is very much about verification and control I mean checking things that every time every quarter this these health facilities they know that the verificators the verifiers are going to come they're shaking like leaves because and feeling like kids in a classroom and they knew that that, that the bully uh, a teacher is going to come and, and go, do, going to do this exam it does it also have that in it that oh my god here they are again and 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 um, we're afraid that we we will not pass the exam and it feels a bit like 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 coming from abroad with with i know they're all you you decided upon together what the indicators are, are going to be but still it feels a little bit like these donors coming from abroad coming with money uh certain conditions we have to abide by their rules and let's just hope we get the money. Yeah, I think um, at the very start of a project, uh, what you're saying, what you're describing is true. So there is a sense of, okay, these are outsiders uh, who are going to check on what I'm doing. Mm. I remember myself uh, when we were doing a baseline assessment that was uh, even like in 2016 in, in Burana, you know, a health center had uh, also telling me like, yeah, well, uh, getting angry with us um, mm-hmm. during the verification and telling me, well, you're applying European standards to this health center. Yeah. So no, I'm not applying your, these are the standards of the Federal Ministry of Health in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. uh, but we're helping them to apply them to the health center, uh, uh, to your health center. But also in other places, what you see is that initially there might be this sort of, okay, what are these guys here for? And there might be some fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not denying that, but uh, typically what you see over the course of the first year of a program is that verifiers will will be able to build a relationship of trust with a health center like, okay, yeah, we are being uh, tough on you, but that is with the, uh, with the goal of um, uh, you improving next quarter and the quarter after. So we exactly show you where the gaps are so that you can improve. Mm-hmm. And 
a, a good verifier, and I think we have uh, a hell of a lot of good verifiers, actually manage to build a relationship of, I'm here to help you improve. Um, we're talking about hundreds of verifiers, right? No, 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 not that many. So okay. uh, in, in, a, in a, a zone like Jimma, uh, that has like three and a half, four million people, uh, we have some 20, 25 verifiers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something else I want to talk about. We also do this in Zimbabwe. I mean, we have we have uh, a, a quite a track record in Zimbabwe. The scheme we we helped introduce was adopted by the government, and now we have scaled down our our own role. Uh, it, we're a technical assistant, but it has been taken over by the government. And this was happening in a time when uh, there was still the Mugabe regime. Uh, I'm just wondering because of the importance of of of, of a, a government, a government, um, a government in 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 RBF systems. What do you do when you have to collaborate with regimes or government systems you do not agree with ethically or or otherwise? I mean, repressive regimes, authoritarian regi- regimes, um, because their RBF schemes work well. Uh, when there's a lot of stability, um, um, they—I mean—they work better when there is stability. Stability also sometimes comes because regimes are authoritarian, um, and I, that's what I thought from the outside. I mean, I work with Cordae, but I'm not involved in these in these health uh, uh, programs. I thought, why on earth work in a country? work with a regime that is authoritarian, depends so much on them. Um, that is a problem, no? can be a problem. Um, yeah, I think that depends very much on your perspective. Um, because in the end, the question, I think, is what, what do you want to solve? What do you want to improve? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the kind of thing that we're trying to do here is, is very fundamental. Or at least, it, you know, this is, um, uh, it's quite intrusive. You know, we're working in a healthcare system um, uh, in a way that the government will not allow you to do if you go, uh, let's say, directly against them. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're trying to make real change in a healthcare system. But for that, that can only work if the government uh, uh, at least tolerates you uh, doing so. So they also need to see an advantage. They need to see that health outcomes are improving. But I think from the Cordate perspective is, um, and, and from the kind of INGO that we are, um, yeah, we, we, we've chosen to work in, in, in difficult circumstances. Uh, and uh, and with, with an approach like this, um, you cannot go directly against the government. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I think is not an option because mm-hmm. you, you, you will work. just not be allowed to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our approach, I think, is more about uh, a, a change from within. So to see, okay, let's work with with uh, government, but at, at different levels. So it doesn't necessarily mean only, or it does not mean only with the national government. It it also means working with local governments. And if you work with local governments, um, um, mm-hmm. I, I would say the 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 whole um, ideology or, or you know is is less important because local governments are mostly more focused on actually delivering because they're mm-hmm. closer to their own mm-hmm. communities. Not so much with politics. There is, of course, there's politics as well. There's definitely politics as well. But uh, to a local government, it's it is important to deliver serv- services to their own communities. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, you know, with these local governments, you can you can you can often build a relationship where you say, okay, but you know, with this way of working, we get better outcomes. And 
um, the best outcome or the, or the best result is that you will see that this local government will actually become convinced and become a champion within their own country to start convincing others. Uh, and um, and this, is the, this is what has happened also in Ethiopia, where we worked initially in Borana, the Borana Zonal Health de uh, Department, and their head became a champion within the region, like, you know, telling others, this way of working, it works. You know, mm -hmm. we're getting much... I remember him... Uh, uh, telling us um, uh, when we did an internal uh, evaluation, he said, this project has done in two years what 20 years of development aid have not done in our health sector. Mm -hmm. And that is the story that he was not only telling us, mm -hmm. he was also telling his peers in other districts and other zones, like, you know, this way of working, uh, th th this way of working actually produces results. And that is when you are slowly, I think, starting to change the system from within. Mm -hmm. If from within people start convincing each other, it can be done in a different way. Mm -hmm. And they start, you know, telling their superiors about it. It takes, you know, that doesn't go overnight, but it takes months, years to get to the point where at a higher level they say, well, okay, maybe there is some truth to it. And they will actually allow, yeah, some change in the system. Mm -hmm. So to me, it is a case to also work in circumstances where you're not, don't necessarily agree with you know all the political views of of of, of the governments that are in place mm -hmm. uh, it, it shouldn't stop us from from trying to improve um health for for citizens uh, what is the end goal in a country like ethiopia or like let's take the the the, the oromia or jimma zone that uh, we step back in the end like we did in zimbabwe and that the um the this is taken over by a government that is willing to decentralize and 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 and, um, and giving away some of its central power and also budget for this. Yeah, that is no. Yeah, I, I think um, you've phrased it very accurately. That's the end goal, I think, of 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 of, of such a project that. Uh, we showcase that this kind of yeah the, the, this kind of approach works, um, and that is actually a more efficient way of using money than than simply allocating budget, not looking at performance, um, and also not giving autonomy, and that we convince governments um, of this. And and you know the, that has happened in in certain countries. It happened in Rwanda and in Burundi in the past. That has been adopted now. PBF mm -hmm. as a national approach. In Zimbabwe is another example. It's not a fairy tale. So mm -hmm. this is not working in every country. There are other countries. There are just as many examples uh, where Cordate was involved or was not involved on the African continent, where uh, we've not managed, you mm -hmm. know, to to convince a government for all sorts of reasons. It, it where, can. Where where was that the case? Um, Central African Republic. Yeah, but that's that's a very yeah. I, I'm I wouldn't say that was not a matter of convincing, but that, 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 that's a very difficult context also with the conflict. Uh, I think that's an in between uh, uh, situation. Was that the case there was that the, the healthcare system was 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 totally broken. I mean, there, it was dysfunctional to a point that we could not set up such a scheme. No, that's actually not true because we had set up the scheme already before the the, the, the huge conflicts uh, um, Sorry, uh, yeah. started again and. The interesting thing was seeing that it actually kept functioning for quite some time despite mm -hmm. the conflict. And that is what convinced people, okay, this is actually an interesting approach. What is very difficult is to actually start establishing it in the midst of a conflict. All right. That is, an, you know, and we've also seen in countries like Afghanistan, uh, it's very difficult in the midst of a conflict to do verifications mm -hmm. to run the scheme so because of the insecurity the insecurity you know yeah. th that makes it very difficult but there are other countries like 
the Republic of Congo, for instance, um, uh, uh, Benin, where Cordes was not really involved, but there are countries where, where um, uh, um, PBF or RBF has, has not been a success. So it's not a fairy tale. But the end goal is to actually uh, indeed get it to this point where a government says, okay, this is a better way of using our own budget, mm. uh, or at least a part of our own budget. I would never uh, advocate for, you know, use your entire budget in a performance-based way. That, must, that doesn't make sense. You need to pay salaries. You need to... Uh, construct buildings mm. but use maybe 10 or 20 percent of your own budget in a performance-based way mm. uh, and that's um, if you're talking about ethiopia that's exactly what we're also looking at mm. uh, okay and you're all you're you're only looking for co-financing contributions from government institutions uh, or is it also a possibility for example to finance this to get this financed by um by, by companies by investors by commercial parties yeah because the reason i ask is because some <clears throat> some <clears throat> sorry somehow <clears throat> it also sounds as if you're liberalizing a health market in a way and one step further is actually to work with commercial uh parties which as we see in the netherlands i mean it not only it's not only it's not always only a good thing I fully agree, and I'm not, uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 biggest proponent of um, uh, uh, of privatization of healthcare. But this is an argument that we sometimes hear, like, okay, this is about privatization of yeah. healthcare, and that's not it. That's not it. I think what it is is uh, introducing some market mechanisms into a public system mm -hmm. without privatizing it, because we are actually not uh, in favor of uh, a privatized healthcare in these countries. Mm -hmm. And we are still a non-profit organization. Exactly. So it's not about making profit. It's just some market mechanisms might actually work in the public sector, but that doesn't mean that we want to privatize it. We don't want to turn these health centers into private health centers. Mm -hmm. uh, these remain public health centers, but you need to sort of strike a balance between, uh, in, you know, let's say the ways of working of, of government, of the state and the market. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, I what? would not go too far. No. So if you're talking about financing it by commercial entities, you would have to be very, very careful because what are the objectives of doing that? Mm -hmm. And also um, what is very difficult in these systems is, okay, how are you going to measure and measure reliably? And what exactly are you going to measure? And what, um, so, so you need to make sure that these market mechanisms serve a public purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's that, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually find the midway. Yeah. Between yeah, we have a few more minutes. Um, um, well, the last thing is why are you doing this? Me myself. Yes. <laughs> Good question. Um, I think I'm doing this because I'm actually convinced that if designed well and implemented well, uh, it really works. And um, what I've seen in Ethiopia and also in a few other countries where we've implemented these kind of programs is that uh, it actually brings change. But it doesn't bring change because we bring the change. It brings change because actually local actors can take ownership. Mm -hmm. To me, the most motivating moments uh, are when I, you know, when I go back to, uh, uh, to Jimma, for example, after six months or a year, and I come to a health facility which I no, was not well performing a year ago or two years ago, and I, I, I have the, the opportunity to see it again. And I, when I talk to health staff and I actually can sense that their attitude has changed and that they have become more motivated mm -hmm. and they're saying, okay, but now we have possibilities that we didn't have before. And 
You know, you, you can already tell it within one or two minutes after entering the compound. If you see someone and he walks up to you and he says, okay, I am going to show you the compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I want to show, you know, if that is, uh, you know. Sure. It, if that is how how, how they the approach exam, you, then it's like okay, you can see there's there's pride in these people uh -huh. now. There is a change in their behavior, and um, yeah, so that is that is the most motivating. And I, I can also say I've I think I've you know I've I've been to e to Ethiopia many times, and I think on every single visit where I've been to the field, I've at least once seen a solution to a problem that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. There's always been something that I've se I've never seen this before, mm -hmm. um, and that is. Can where you, you give one last example? Uh, that's, that? Yeah, that's 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 a good one. Um, I, well, I, I remember the first time that, that I went to a health center in Burana, which is you know the pastoralist south of Ethiopia, where a health center had decided, okay, we use some PBF money to build a small canteen on our compound we never had anything like that you know we just built a small canteen uh, we hired a person to run it uh, you know to make tea uh, 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 to prepare food and that is uh, that does two things mm -hmm. it's some income generation you know from patients or from their family because we can just you know generate a little income but also this canteen will now prepare the food for our health staff Mm -hmm. So that our health staff at lunchtime doesn't all, they don't all have to go to, to the village to have uh, lunch. And that means mm -hmm. at lunchtime there's, there's no one here at the health facility. They, they can just stay here mm -hmm. uh, because there's, there's, there's food here. You know, it's just also like in, in uh, hospitals here in the Netherlands, it improves the overall atmosphere of a, of a place. If you can sit down, and have a coffee, it's not just purely medical. I mean, it makes people feel at ease. Hey, talking about coffee, if you go there, uh, I'm sure you have uh, the greatest coffee in the world when you're there. Uh, in Ethiopia, yeah, that's, uh, you get very good coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I remember. That was well, Martin, we have talked a lot. I really want to thank you for all this, the, the, the things you've been sharing with us. Um, you have taken us along on a trip to Ethiopia and we have dived into the system and the dynamics of results-based financing. Thanks a lot. Maybe there will come a time when we also will have the opportunity to talk with an Ethiopian um, healthcare provider or a verifier. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, and we'll uh, get back to you soon with another topic. Thanks. Bye-bye.